is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The sophomore slump, it's a real thing. It's something that plagues second-year players around not just the NFL, but all professional leagues in sport. It's something that the Steelers can't afford from their group of sophomores in 2021, the rookie class from 2020. Three of them, at the very least, the top three picks from that 2020 draft that will be entering their second NFL season this year are going to be big-time contributors and regular starters for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they cannot afford for them to take a step back or to lose a little confidence as they enter into their second year. That big three, of course, is Kevin Dotson, Chase Claypool, and Alex Highsmith. Almost blanked on the last (laughs) one there. That was weird. Before we get into what they're going to do in 2021, who would you guys crown as the rookie of the year for the Steelers? It's a two-horse race between Dotson and Claypool because those were the only two guys that really played a majority of the season. Uh, would you just give it to Claypool because of the touchdowns and you know, almost having an 1,000-yard season, really establishing himself as not a number one wide receiver now but showing the potential to be a number one wide receiver? Yeah, would you go with would you go with Dotson? You know the stalwart on the line who couldn't win a starting job, but that might not have been his own fault. That might have been a little mismanagement from the coaching staff for the Steelers. I think it's a no brainer. I think you have to give it to Claypool, even if Dotson had got his 16 starts, maybe not even 16, but at least significant more playing time. You can just make a lot bigger an impact as a wide receiver than you can an offensive line. The offensive line typically are the unsung heroes of the team overall. So I got to give it to Claypool, but I think next year, you know, with Dotson actually getting his starting reps in place the way he should have had this season, you can definitely say, okay, well, Dotson, in terms of value, can bring just as much value as Claypool does. Uh, I mean, I I think you give it to Claypool, but I don't think it's as runaway as um, it might seem, you know, like Tom, you laid out all of Claypool's, you know, um, accolades his rookie year. And he had a great year, don't get me wrong. And I think you do probably give it to him because of that. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean the race wasn't extremely close. I think it was. I think Dotson was probably their best offensive lineman last year. Um, and, you know, when he was brought in, I'm not sure that any of us really expected him to do much <laughs> of anything. Um, and I think that that must be said, that must be accounted for. Like when the Steelers brought in Claypool, it was their first pick of the draft. So you're thinking this guy better be good. You know what I mean? Like he has to perform to to live up to that. Um, and when they drafted Dotson, what was it in the fourth tra- round? I believe. In the fourth, fourth round, round. Yeah. You're not exactly you're not exactly expecting that guy to come in right away and make an impact right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're hoping that at some point he will, and that's you know. That's kind of the the idea with a fourth-round pick, a lineman, an offensive lineman. But um, he came in, you know, when he was called upon, and like I said, I thought he was their best lineman. So um, for doing all that and being a fourth-round pick and not knowing much else about him, I think Dotson definitely uh, made it a lot closer than it might indicate, that the numbers indicate, because as we said, you know, Claypool – um, early on was like leading the league in touchdowns at one point in time. Um, so you would think it would be a runaway. So it probably is Claypool for me. But, um, I mean, I don't think that diminishes what Kevin Dotson did by any stretch of the imagination. No, not at all. No, I agree. I, I agree Claypool probably wins Rookie of the Year in my mind too last year. But moving forward, I think Jacob kind of was tiptoeing around this. The most important rookie out of this class is going to be Kevin Dotson most likely moving mm-hmm. forward. You could even make the case that Alex Highsmith would be more important for the Steelers to be successful in 2021 than Chase Claypool as well. 
But sticking with Dotson before we move on to the other two guys, you know, you mentioned he was drafted in the fourth round by the Steelers, uh, went to University of Louisiana at Lafayette. So he was not uh, really a highly recruited player out of high school, obviously, and never decided to leave Louisiana to maybe transfer to LSU or something like that once he established himself there. He stayed at Louisiana Lafayette, started all four years for the Raging Cajun. Uh, was not invited to attend the scouting combine. No. You, you laughed. I love I that. that I lo- I, I no, no, no. I love that that college name, the Raging Cajun. It's it. <laughs> I love it. Wasn't invited to the scouting combine that led up to the draft. Of course, we all know that that eventually got kiboshed because of COVID last year. Uh, the school's pro day, you know, there was no combine this year, but you see schools holding pro days, mm-hmm. at least even last year for Dotson. School had to cancel the pro day as well because back in April of last year, you know, COVID was really out of control just at the beginning of it. So no pro days, no combine for Dotson. And you have to wonder if that might have helped the Steelers a little bit. Yeah, maybe. If maybe, you know, he goes to the combine or and he, he has a pro day and he up. shows yeah. what he can do because he's clearly an NFL-level lineman. He should have started last year for the Steelers, would have started for most teams in the NFL last year. Yeah. So if he goes to the Indianapolis Combine or he has his pro day and he shows you something in his 40-yard dash and he shows you something in his bench press, then you know maybe the teams will get a little bit of an ease of their mind and be like, okay, I know he went to the small school, but he did start for four years at that small school and the measurables stack up. So we're going to take him in the second round. We're going to take him in the third round. Right. Instead, he didn't get to put his skill on display. All the coaching staffs and GMs had to go off of was – he was a four-year starter yeah. at Louisiana, but it was Louisiana. And there's tape, but it's, yeah. But it's Louisiana. Right. And uh, he dropped in the draft a little bit. Uh, maybe not dropped, but he probably was picked right around where he was supposed to go. Right. Steelers snatched him up in the fourth round, and lo and behold, they get a first-round type of talent in the fourth round. It's great drafting. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I think there's definitely something to the point of, um, you know, if he would have went to a combine, if there was a pro day, if there was scouts that were, you know, they're Quinn, watching it. The thing that reminds he went to a bigger school than Quinn Minert's in this mm-hmm. year's class. Quinn Minert's playing in D2. Yeah. At least Dotson went to a Division One program playing against other, you know, recognized Division schools. One, sure. Other players going to go pro. But Minert's goes to a pro day, goes to the Senior Bowl, has his yep. pro day, and is electric, lights right. it up. The mm-hmm. measurables are off the chart. So now he's kind of a solid third round, maybe second round yeah. pick. I think Dotson might have been the same exact thing. Yeah, you I know, do too. A solid third, second round pick if he would have been just able to work out and show like, hey, I know I went to Louisiana, but I stack up to this guard from Texas and yeah. this guard from Alabama as far as my measurables are concerned. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I know the comparison with Minerts. I think Minerts is probably a pro anyways, but you're right. You know, you, you get more exposure when— Oh, that's what I mean, like no doubt. But I'm wondering if maybe Minerts yeah. is a fourth or fifth round pick if he just— is coming out of if, Wisconsin Whitewater. Or if there's not a pro day or no senior bowl yeah, or whatever right. it is, the situation that Dotson had, I think there definitely is something to that. I think that that the Steelers kind of caught a break because I don't know if he would have been sitting there in, in the fourth round if the pro days and if the, the, the um, you know, the pro bowl was going on. Maybe he's a third round pick or, or, I mean, he definitely proved that he can play at this level. There's sure. no question. And I mean, I know that it was one season. I know it wasn't a full season. I know he didn't exactly win the starting job. Right. But when he was called upon, I thought that he was their best lineman. Um, and, you know, there's definitely something to that. But I, I agree that I think the Steelers definitely caught a break with there not being a, a combine, there not being any pro days or anything like that. I definitely think that they caught a break there. 
But, you know, as we've talked about so many times, that's why Kevin Colbert is so good at this. You know, he kind of finds diamonds in the rough. And I know a fourth round pick, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of the time those guys pan out. Most of the time they pan out. But again, this is a guy that we didn't know much about. Sure. And all of a sudden he's one of your best, you know, offensive linemen. It's just going to be a test, though, because as you said, Kellen, I mean, he wasn't called upon that much this past season. But when he was, he was reliable. But when he's going to be recalled upon, 16 games, or 16, maybe even 17 games this season, will he be able to step up to the plate every single day? We don't know that. And that's the question that remains to be answered. But we hope that this fourth-round talent that the Steelers consider a, a steal at, up to this point will will be able to produce at a first-round talent next year. But, yeah, I mean, the, the comparables are there to minors, and that's why a lot of people are – looking for the Steelers to maybe say, oh, you know, it's possible they could do it again, you know, maybe in the third round, maybe in the second round. Uh, but, I mean, Kevin Dotson's a great guy to have on your team if what you saw out of last year it can be extrapolated over a 17-game season. And in terms of value, returning to that conversation, yes, Chase Claypool could run down the field and get you yards and get you touchdowns, but that's not going to happen unless Kevin Dotson is there to protect Ben. So in terms of value, I mean, I think Dotson – could be the most valuable out of the three sophomores returning. And in turn of in terms of sophomore slumps, I think he's the least likely to go through one. Right. Uh, he just doesn't seem like No, I I think linemen, you know, their job is a little bit more straightforward. It's a little bit more yeah. I'm not saying it's easy. Of course it's not, not right. easy by any stretch of the imagination, but as far as mentally preparing and improving your your Self, I think linemen just have that mentality about them in general normally as far as the NFL is concerned. And, you know, Dotson's a guy, like we said, he had to go to Louisiana to play football and not Louisiana State, the other Louisiana school. So had to go to a small school. He started all four years there. So when he's 19 years old, I know that it's a smaller school, but he's still going up against 20, 21, 22-year-olds. So he's been extremely experienced as far as playing a starting guard position um, he works really hard. That's very obvious to get from a school like Louisiana onto a team like the Steelers radar and into the starting lineup for the majority of your rookie season. So as far as work ethics concerned, don't think there's any concern there. His track record speaks for itself. And I just think that, you know, if I'm going to bet on some position group to stay focused in the NFL and to continue to ascend and not descend as far as their uh, potential and their progression is concerned. I I'm putting it down on the offensive line almost all mm -hmm. the time. I just yeah. have more faith in that group of guys than any group of guys on the field to, to be consistent be consistent and to be focused. I mean, they say it's the heartbeat of an NFL team for sure. a reason. Right, sure. And I think um, to kind of go into that and to go off of both of your points and that Dotson is probably the most important sophomore on the team is, you know, that – uh, you need that offense line to be obviously really good. And this is, you know, we, we've talked about it at nauseum on this show is that, um, you know, the offensive line needs to be better next year. Right. It does. And um, the running game needs to be better next year. And I know there's equal blame to go around. Is it on the running backs? Is it on the offensive line? And and I think you can make a case for both. So right, with, that, all the above. with that being said, I, I believe that, you know, Dotson is going to have a huge impact here and, um, you know, that's the one guy for me that can't afford to have a, a step back and can't afford to have a sophomore slump um, because of the fact that you need the offensive line to be so much better this upcoming year. And, oh, by the way, this is Ben Roethlisberger's last year of football, mm -hmm. we're all assuming. And, you know, you need to keep him upright. So 
I do believe that, you know, like you said, Tom, um, this is the group that, you know, you can kind of least afford um, to, to take a step back. Right. And I know that's more saying, you know, that the, the, the offensive lines are always going to be focused and that's the heartbeat of the, of the, of the team. But I think this year, even more so than any other year, last year, whatever, the offensive line and more importantly, Dotson obviously need to be really good. Yeah, and I think you really want to make sure the onus is on uh, Dotson just because you look at the pieces around him. I mean, Pouncey is gone. Big Al will be gone. DeCastro is taking a significant step back. You don't really know what you have in Chooks or in Banner. Filer is gone now, too. So you're kind of relying on Dotson to be your, your centerpiece of the, of the offensive line in this rebuild era for that unit. And if he goes, if he doesn't pan out, to what you thought he could, then your offensive line is basically in shambles because you have a guy like Zach Banner and Chooks who you know you've you've seen in in action before, but not in an extensive 17 game season, and you're not super confident that they could pan out for that whole time. You're you're hopeful that they could be capable enough, but really Dawson is the backbone of that unit already, which is kind of crazy to think that he because he's only a sophomore, and he really didn't get much playing time next year. So you're really reliant on Dotson to have a a significant surge in, in quality of play and quantity of play, just because if he doesn't, then really, as Callum pointed out, you know, if, if your offensive line doesn't do it, then the whole team crumbles around it. And I think if Dotson doesn't do it, then there's really no hope for this offensive line. We work our way in descending order from the fourth round. Dotson was the fourth round pick. The third round pick was Alex Seismith. Uh, similar kind of situation, you know, going to a super small school at Charlotte, put himself on the map with that game against Clemson where he had a couple of sacks and was just all over the place against the team that is just littered with NFL talent. Uh, I'm talking about Clemson. There's NFLers on that offensive line that he had to go up against. There's an NFL uh, potential superstar under center for Clemson playing quarterback. So he had a great game for Charlotte against a, an incredible team, really was able to showcase that his skill set translates to the NFL. Comes in for the Steelers, plays some special teams last year. Every once in a while would give Watt and Dupree a blow, worked himself up to third on the depth chart as far as the outside linebackers were concerned. And then, of course, when Bud Dupree went down, he stepped in, was the starter, had, I think, about a sack. Uh mm-hmm. And played okay down the stretch of the season for his rookie year. Now he comes into his sophomore season, and there is no room for a sophomore slump here because he, like Dawson, is thrown into the undisputed outside linebacker starting spot. And, you know, he'll be going into training camp just like Dawson being the guy. And we had a lot of faith in Dotson to step into those shoes comfortably and be able to avoid the sophomore slump. Highsmith, I think is a little bit of a different story. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a little bit more of a high intensity situation when you're playing outside linebacker in the NFL and you have a lot of pressure on you if you're Highsmith because you have to perform to make sure that the guy lining up across from you is freed up to do what he does. Yeah. And, and that's something that we've talked about here too. And, um, you know, that, that dynamic of, you know, Batman and Robin with, with TJ and Bud is no longer there. Um, and right. I think, uh, you know, I'm not saying that Highsmith can't get to that point or he, he, you know, because I think he has a ton of potential. I think he can definitely play in this league. He's proved that. Um, and I know that it was in kind of, you know, a, a, a smaller role until Bud got hurt than he had to start. Um, but you lose that, you lose that dynamic, you lose a big part of that defense, you lose 
kind of the bread and butter of that defense is right. getting after the quarterback. And and you kind of lose that a little bit when you lose Bud Dupree. And, you know, I know I said that Dotson, you know, is one of the guys that you can at least afford to have a sophomore slump. But I think the same argument could be made for, um, for Highsmith because if sure. he doesn't perform early um, and teams are doubling TJ and, um, you know, he's not having the production that we expect from TJ Watt, which – I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I think regardless, TJ is going to get his, um, but maybe not at the level that we've seen it over the last, you know, couple years. Um, all of a sudden, you know, quarterbacks could be picking on the, on the mm-hmm. secondary that um, isn't all that experienced, and the corners that aren't all that experienced, or um, you know, who, whatever it is, the linebackers, Roberts, whatever. Um, I, I think this defense could really uh, take a step back if Highsmith, um, you know doesn't at least you know isn't at least average or to above average because if he's bad um all of a sudden man I think this defense kind of becomes a little bit one-dimensional and you never want to be one-dimensional um as a defense you want to be able to cover the pass and the run and, and get after the quarterback and if you can't get after the quarterback you can't uh if you can't make their lives miserable you can't hit them all the time any quarterback, I don't care who it is, is going to pick you apart in this league. That's just how it works. Right, and when we talk about the term sophomore slump, that kind of implies that in their rookie year, there was a lot to be happy about, right? So with Claypool, there were the yards and there were the touchdowns. With Dotson, even though it was a smaller sample size, when he was on the field, he was making an impact, and it was a far greater impact than a lot of the guys he was lining up uh, next to. But when you think about Alex Highsmith, there wasn't really a lot that you saw, and it wasn't a standout rookie season. So I think, you know, there's not there's not as much pressure for him just to be saying in terms of the sophomore slump. There's pressure in terms of replacing the shoes of or replacing the role of Bud Dupree. But when it comes to living up to your your rookie season hype, I mean, there really wasn't much to be that happy about so sophomore slump I don't know if you can attribute that to Highsmith as much as you could to Dotson and Claypool who had good rookie seasons so maybe Highsmith can just say okay kind of last year was my little trial run to fill in the shoes and and yes I got to the quarterback once yes I, I got an interception once but now that it's my role I don't have to worry about you know just coming in and filling in it's my role maybe I could be more comfortable maybe this is my time I'm not saying that's going to happen but just in terms of a slump I don't think that's really the appropriate word to use with him but there's still going to be a definite pressure that's present surrounding him just because of the guy that he is replacing. No, I love that point. You know, Claypool and Dotson have already made that leap into we can be starters in right. the NFL. Highsmith is still trying to you make that leap. You still don't know. I mean, right. yeah, he's going to be the starter, but you still don't know. If, but he's yeah. still trying to establish himself right. as far as that role is concerned. But I think the guy who's the biggest candidate to have the sophomore slump, and I hope it's not coming off as just picking on this guy or picking on this position group like we have a lot on the Steelers standard lately, but I think Chase Claypool, I don't want to say that I'm betting on him to kind of regress this year, if I had to pick out of these three, going off the point Jacob said where Alex Highsmith really didn't have a bar set to have a slump from, and Dotson having the utmost confidence in him to be just as good, if not better, next year, I just think Claypool probably won't regress too bad. I think he's still got the skill set, and he's still got the potential to be a number one in the NFL more but so it, than Juju. But I just feel like out of these three and at that position, a wide receiver, you know, 
complacency might set in. But it's also because of what he did last year. You know, that that bar is set pretty high. But you got to break that bar if you're Claypool. You have to because you have wide receiver number one potential now. So if you don't at least flirt with 1,000 yards again and get into the end zone six or seven times, then you're all of a sudden thinking that this would be classified as a sophomore slump, whether it's a terrible slump or just a, a slight one. The degrees of it would vary, but I just think that you know, teams now out there are going to know what to expect from Claypool. They're going to key on him a little bit more. Uh, obviously, Juju being back helps actually a little bit because it will take and absorb coverages away right. from Claypool. But I just feel like, you know, off the field, he's not the most focused guy. It's very fair of me to say that right now, I think, because Definitely. of all the proof that we've seen out there. He said that Juju's biggest influence was on his branding off the field and not his game on the field. So there are just signs out there that point to him as being the guy that might lose a little bit of focus and might not come into his sophomore season with the intensity and the focus that's needed to, you know, they say in baseball all the time that when you're a hot hitter, it's only a matter of time before the pitchers correct themselves and figure you out. Mm -hmm. And the key to being a good major leaguer is figuring out when the pitchers mm-hmm. figure you out mm-hmm. and adjusting to that. So now teams are going to figure out Claypool. Can he adjust? Can he figure out you know, how to take that game to that next level to kind of counteract the adjustments being made against him? And we're going to have to see if he can in 2021. But like I said, again, doesn't seem like the focus is there. And I might be wrong. He might be studying the playbook and working out as hard as he possibly can. I'm sure he's working out as hard as he possibly can. But, you know, you got to take what – or you got to report what we see. Yeah. And, what we see on social media, and you just kicked a guy in the head a couple of weeks ago. So it right. doesn't look like it's off to a hot start. No, I hear you there, and it was a great analogy there with baseball as it's opening day today. So thank you oh, for that. It? I love that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at Claypool, like, um, he might – I mean, I think of the three, he's definitely the most uh, logical candidate to take a step back. I, I think mm-hmm. that's fair. Um, and, you know, I will say this, though, if he does take a step back, that doesn't mean that it kills the offense because, as you illustrated, you know, you do bring right. Juju back and that wide receiver group is still good. So Two other guys there, even, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, even if Claypool takes a step back, that doesn't mean that the offense isn't going to be good or that Claypool isn't going to be good because, you know, I, I'm, I know at the end of the year they kind of uh, slowed his snaps down and, and, you know, put him almost on a pitch count, which didn't make a lot of sense. They didn't want him to hit the rookie wall let him hit the rookie wall before you start diminishing his snaps. And um, because, I mean, he was flirting, you know, midway through the year with, I mean, rookie of the year. I think he was a slam dunk rookie of the year, you know, probably about halfway through the year. Um, And he still had a, you know, a great year almost, you know, as you said, Tom, he flirted with a thousand yards, just what, 130 yards short of that nine touchdowns. He was tied for the team lead um, in receiving touchdowns. So a really good, um, you know, rookie campaign, but I do think, as you said, he's probably the most primed to take a step back just because of what you illustrated and the fact that, you know, corners and d- defenses are going to figure out ways to slow you down. They they will. I mean, you know, when you're a rookie, when you come in and, um, you know, teams don't really know what your weaknesses are quite yet. Yeah, they have film on you and, yeah, they're really smart, but it takes a little while. And, and we'll really see here in this next year. Um, but as you did say, you know, Juju coming back and you have Deontay Johnson and James Washington still, um, you know, a step back for Claypool doesn't mean it's a death note. It doesn't mean that, no. you know, he wasn't worth the, being the first pick in the draft last year um, for the Steelers. I just think that he is the most prime candidate for sure. It's so hard not to be baited by the off-field 
conversations surrounding Claypool, and I'm going to take a bite on one because it's it's hard to ignore. But one thing that really concerns me for Claypool was he was an off-field distraction this past year, right? And this past year was a COVID-ravaged year, not just by the league, but worldwide, nationwide. Now with COVID kind of with vaccines rolling out and places opening up, this kind of opens up the opportunity for Claypool to become even more distracted with bars and clubs mm-hmm. and South Sides and play now, baby. Social settings <laughs> open for him. I mean, he could really fall into a hole. I'm not saying, you know, he's an addict or anything. And I'm not like saying that. don't go out and party. Right. But it, it could lead to, you know, him caring, saying, oh, I'm going to go out on Saturday night before the game. And that affects him on, on Sundays. And he didn't have that opportunity this past year with COVID. Now with everything opening up, he does. And I, I just don't know him well enough to know if he's going to be focused enough to say, oh, I'm not, I know I'm not going to go out Friday night, Saturday night. I know I can't do that. I, don't, I just don't know him well enough to, to, to make that assumption. Well, to be fair, we really don't know any of these guys at all. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, that could be Kevin Dotson. It could be Kevin Dotson. We don't know any of these guys at all. They're just people who play on our favorite football team that we also cover here on this great podcast, Steelers Standard. And that's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. But these three guys we talked about, it's really important that they avoid those slumps and they actually improve on their play next year because they're going to be key contributors. And this Steelers schedule next year is a bear. It is an uphill battle as far as the schedule is concerned. We don't know week to week what it looks like just yet, but we do know all uh, 17 opponents that are on the Steelers' schedule. So on the next episode, we'll take a look at all of them. We'll talk about who they absolutely need to beat, games they might need to steal, and some games that we're already early waving the white flag on and saying there's probably just no chance they're going to pull this one out. That's on the way in the next episode. Listen to all our episodes at Steelers.com or download and subscribe to the Steelers Standard Podcast on Apple or Spotify. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opferman. We will talk to you on our next episode.